What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. We've been having a few conversations on the show about the relationship between Chicagoans and events happening globally. Climate change, art, and now global conflict. The war between Israel and Hamas has profound implications for a lot of us in various ways, including for what has become a massive ethnic group in the Chicago area. In case you didn't know, there are a lot of Palestinians and Palestinian Americans in and around Chicago. The Palestinian community in Chicago is incredibly diverse and large. Most live in the southwest suburbs uh, in areas like Bridgeview. And one of those areas is actually called Little Palestine just because of the large concentration of Palestinian businesses. You see signs in Arabic, you see Palestinian flags and law offices and bakeries. So it's an incredibly diverse uh, community. This is Amy Chin. She's a data reporter here at WBEZ. And she says folks have been immigrating here from the Palestinian territories for a while now. To the point where the Chicago area actually has the largest population of Palestinians in the country. 18,000 of them living in Cook County, according to the 2020 census. Actually, experts say it's likely a huge undercount of the true population. Um, Some experts estimate the actual Palestinian population here in the Chicago area to be five times larger than what the census has. Amy analyzed that census data and looked into why the numbers are so undercounted. For one, there's no box for Arab Americans to check on the census. Oftentimes, they either check that they're white or other. And so for Palestinians specifically, um, you know, a lot of them, what I've heard is that they don't want to self-report that they're Palestinian, Um, you know, especially after 9-11 with a lot of Islamophobia. They're afraid to identify themselves. Um, And then thirdly, you know, uh, Palestinians are a diaspora population. Uh, They live all around the world. And so sometimes they might mark themselves as Jordanian or Syrian or wherever their, you know, families were refugees. Yeah. But in Illinois, starting in uh, 2025, state data will be required to have a category for Arab Americans. And Illinois is actually the first state to do that. So I think data here is going to get a little better. Amy also looked into the history of Palestinian immigration to the Chicago area. And she says there were four primary periods when folks came here in large numbers. She's going to walk us through that history, starting with what has pulled, or in some cases pushed, Palestinians from their home to the Windy City. So what I found is that there's lots of factors, um, but it all has to do with these kind of several waves of migration over the past century, really. So Hmm. Palestinians have lived in the Chicago area beginning in the early 1900s, and because of that, you know, with each successive generation that has come, Chicago has kind of been placed on the map as a destination for them where they have friends and family and they know that there's going to be mosques and a community there. So that's kind of the pull factor bringing people into Chicago. But in terms of why people left Palestine or their hometowns, you know, that's the result of over you know 75 years of history in the Middle East with Wars that have created mass displacement and several hundred thousand refugees. So that's another reason why there are so many people here in the Chicago area. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the point when Palestinians on a larger scale started to first really settle in the Chicago area. When was that? 
So experts say it's as early as the Chicago World's Fair. That's when, you know, Chicago was kind of put on the map for a lot of these merchants and peddlers um, who were really the initial kind of Arab Americans in Chicago. Um, most of them kind of own these small dry goods stores or grocery stores or peddlers, you know, going house to house selling shoes and clothing. And they really carved out a niche on, you know, what was then known as Chicago's Black Belt. And um, that was during a time when a lot of white store owners wouldn't sell in these communities. And so these um, Palestinian Americans, these Syrian Lebanese folks, they really kind of saw this as a com- commercial opportunity for them. And that's where they initially settled is the near south side. And the Black Belt near south side would be where mostly black folks were living at the time. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So after that, there were periods of way more Palestinians immigrating here, right? Yeah. So in the decades after the World's Fair, you see just a kind of steady trickle of these merchants and single men coming in. But a key event that created a lot of immigration is the 1948 Arab-Israeli War. And this is when the state of Israel is created, um, but also uh, when over 700,000 Palestinians were displaced from their ancestral homelands. Um, And Palestinians refer to 1948 as the Nakba, which means catastrophe in Arabic. And that really kind of led Palestinians today to becoming the world's largest stateless community. There are over 6 million Palestinians who... And according to the United Nations, are direct descendants of these original refugees of 1948. And so many of them ended up in Chicago because, you know, they already knew people or had family or, you know, some of these peddlers lived in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they started to really build out communities. Um, I spoke to uh, someone who had this history. His name is Hatem Abudaya. And uh, his grandfather was actually a peddler in Milwaukee. In the 1950s, Um, he spent a couple years there, didn't do so well, I think, and moved back to Palestine. But then when his dad was thinking about moving because life was getting really difficult in their hometown, his grandfather told him to go to Milwaukee. So he immigrated to Milwaukee and there he and his uncle set up a grocery store and it didn't do very well. And he's wanted to move to a bigger city. And so that's how um, Hatem's father ended up in Chicago. And, you know, the rest is kind of history. Their entire family lives over here now. So that was the late 1940s. Let's talk about the 1960s. So in 1967, the Arab-Israeli war broke out and um, Israel gained the Palestinian territories we know as Gaza and the West Bank as a result of that war. A lot of changes happened. They limited movement. Homes were destroyed. There was just a lack of jobs and economic opportunity. And so that prompted another wave of refugees fleeing the West Bank and Gaza. And again, many of them ended up here in Chicago because of, you know, they had family here. And that's how they were able to come here as as, uh, immigrants. And um, I spoke to Suzanne Nasser, who her family came during this time. They left Palestine in 1971. Um, and here's Nasser describing why her parents left. My parents had a deep, um, they had a strong desire to stay in Palestine and to stay on the land. Uh, so they came to the U.S. reluctantly four years after their city, Elbira, uh, came under Israeli occupation. 
You know, that really rings a bell. I have a few homies who are the children of immigrants, um, some of whom are refugees themselves. A lot of them talk about their families not wanting to leave. They left because they had to. How else did that come up in your reporting on Palestinians and Palestinian Americans here? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, In all of my interviews and conversations, what I heard consistently was that for these second and third generation Palestinian Americans, they grew up with their parents placing a really, really important emphasis on their culture and keeping it alive. Um, You know, they went to school to learn Arabic on the weekends. They learned Palestinian Mm -hmm. history. They learned folk songs and how to dance the Debke, which is a, you know, Palestinian folk dance. Um, And so there was this really strong effort to keep uh, a connection to Palestine growing Mm -hmm. up. Um, And it was so strong for some families that they actually picked up and moved back to Palestine. Um, State Rep. Abdel Nasser Rashid, he's the state rep of the 21st district, which includes a lot of little Palestine. Mm -hmm. His parents moved to Chicago in the 70s. But then, um, you know, in 1994, they chose to move back to their village in the West Bank in Palestine uh, because they wanted their kids to develop this kind of relationship with their hometown. And so for Rashid at the time, he was five years old. Um, They lived there for a couple of years, and it was a really, really eye-opening experience for him. Here's Rashid. My six years in Palestine were formative years. I was ages five to 11, and even though I didn't fully understand the political context at the time, I still lived the, the reality of a brutal, violent Israeli military occupation where I saw uh, you know, Palestinians being beaten or arrested. I remember not being able to attend school sometimes because we were turned back at an Israeli checkpoint or were at a checkpoint for so many hours that you simply missed school. Do you have a sense of when Rashid moved back? So he moved back in 2000. Okay. By that time, there had been another period of a lot of Palestinians moving to the States, right? Yeah. um, The 1990s, according to uh, the experts I talked to, was actually the largest wave of Palestinian migration to Chicago. And, you know, a lot of it is continued kind of people fleeing violence and displacement in the West Bank and Gaza. But another aspect of this this is that um, there were a large number of Palestinians living in Kuwait and Saudi Arabia and other countries in the Persian Gulf at the time working, you know, in the oil sector. And during the first Gulf War, um, a lot of them were forced out of those countries. And so some of them had studied in in the United States as students. And so they came back and others, uh, you know, came because they had family here. So that was kind of another reason for why there was a huge kind of wave of migration in the 90s. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of the folks who live here with roots in Palestine came here after or during a conflict of some sort. Um, I mean, what's happening today feels a little like a repeat of history. Yeah, what what do you make of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's something that I heard from folks I talked to. I spoke to Nina Shomantajani. She's a assistant dean at Moraine Valley Community College and a Palestinian-American. Um, and she shared these sentiments exactly. This current 
war on Gaza and on the Palestinian people is taking a toll in a way that has kind of resurrected a lot of the historical trauma that our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents experienced um, with the original Nakba of 1948. So what do you think? Does that mean there's going to be another period of migration from the war in Gaza right now? That's a tough question. I think it's it's difficult to tell. Um, what we know now is that, you know, it's really hard to get out of Gaza. Um, you know, most of the borders are closed. I think the only crossing that's open right now is the one uh, next to Egypt. And, um, you know, for Palestinian Americans who are living in Gaza, many of them aren't aren't able to leave. Um, but for Palestinians who don't have American citizenship, you know, being a refugee and getting resettled in the United States is a very long and difficult process. Mm-hmm. And you know, historically, the U- U.S. hasn't taken that many Palestinian refugees. Um, just last year. Only 56 Palestinians were admitted as refugees into the United States out of a total of 60,000 refugees. So it's very unlikely that they're going to come in as refugees. And, you know, so far the Biden administration, they haven't announced any plans to resettle refugees in the United States. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to be tough. And for Palestinian Americans living in the West Bank, so the area that's not under kind of bombardment right now, it's a, really a question of if they want to leave. You know, we talked about earlier maintaining mm. this connection to your homeland. And um, everyone I talked to has said that they um, want to stay. They didn't want to leave when they had to leave decades ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if it's a matter of safety and keeping their families safe, then some of them might have to choose to um, make the difficult decision to immigrate here. Yeah. What are you looking out for now, Amy, going forward um, after doing all this reporting and and numbers crunching? Yeah, I mean, the situation is constantly changing. And I think, you know, reading the news, it's so easy to get disheartened. You know, there's so much pain and violence and things on both sides. But I think Part of the reason I was excited about this story is the opportunity to kind of step back and really think about what the experience of Palestinians here in Chicago and what what their immigration histories were, how they got here. Um, but, you know, it's something that I think a lot of people can relate to, right? It's, you know, they're not different from any of us. Personally, my family immigrated to the United States because of a lot of the same reasons. You know, they were facing uh, limited opportunities in China. And so for a lot of immigrants, and not even just immigrants, but anyone who's moved to a new place, you know, these are these are things that you can relate to. And I think that's kind of why I wanted to do this story and what I heard from having these conversations with people about their family histories. Um, you know, several of them said, it was actually really nice to like talk about that for once and not have to talk about what they felt was the dehumanizing of their identity um, just you know through a lot of the rhetoric that has been thrown around and so 
for them. I think it's uh, it was really valuable uh, to be able to share that. And that's kind of the hope with this story, too, is to kind of provide some additional context. Amy Chen is a data reporter here at WBEZ, and you can find more of her reporting on this story at WBEZ.org. Amy, thank you. Thank you. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Cleave and Natalie Moore for editing the show. Ethan Schwab engineered this episode. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. If you love The Rundown, give us a rating, give us a review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.